Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. So before I begin, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge what a true joy and honor it is to speak at this historic congregation. As David mentioned, I'm an atheist myself, and I was aware of this congregation even before I knew I was coming to Minneapolis. Uh, because of this place, its members and its ministers, American humanism has made space for all of us dogma doubters and spiritual questioners. And as generations like mine become increasingly secular, I'm just very grateful for you all for continuing that legacy. So thank you very much to you. I am very happy to be here with you all when it seems like spring has finally sprung. We did it. We survived another winter. Yes, yes. As I'm sure you are all aware, human cultures acknowledge spring in a bunch of different ways, but the themes are usually pretty similar. Coming through something really difficult into something easier. Here are some examples. In the spring, Buddhists commemorate the Buddha's birthday as well as his enlightenment. Passover is happening right now when Jewish communities remember surviving the plagues of Egypt, fleeing slavery, and starting a new way of life. For Christians, they may have mentioned once or twice, today's Easter, <laughs> commemorating when the empire tried and failed to snuff out a nascent poor people's movement, or as some understand it, when the living God was killed and became alive again. Different interpretations, right? <laughs> Hindu folks celebrate love and play during the festival of colors called Holi. For the pagans, it's Ostara, the season following the equinox and honoring the goddess of spring. For everyone in the Northern Hemisphere, we've made it through another winter. The cycle of life begins again. I'm not Buddhist, Jewish, Hindu, Christian, or pagan. I wasn't even a UU until my mid-twenties. For most of my life, the closest thing I had to an annual celebration of spring was just the gradual thawing of marrow in my body, the increase of energy, a little more lightness as the days got longer. But I didn't have what I saw everyone else around me doing, celebrating something sacred about spring together, until I learned about Yuri's Night. Created by the United Nations as a holiday for all humanity, Yuri's Night is celebrated on April 12th as the anniversary of the first human spaceflight. Yuri Gagarin was an ordinary guy. The Soviets picked him for just that reason. He was born to peasants, became a metal worker, he was kind of short, had a nice smile. If this guy could go to space, anybody could. His fellow cosmonauts in training voted for him to go up first. They must have really liked him. Or really didn't. <laughs> As liftoff began, he said the Russian version of, off we go, which later became a space geek catchphrase. He blasted up there in his rickety ship. It was 1961. Think about technology in 1961. We had computers, but they were mostly made of vacuum tubes and hope. 
Yuri's spacecraft, the Vostok 1, looked like a water heater, a big beige cylinder with a chrome sphere on top. But it did the job. No human had ever flown so high before. A dog, a monkey, some fruit flies, but no humans had ever exited Earth's bubble. For those of us who've lived our whole lives during the space age, that can feel easy to take for granted. But for Yuri Gagarin, it was worth risking his life for. Yuri flew at about 17,500 miles per hour. He became the first human to orbit the Earth one full time, and he did it in about an hour and a half. An hour and a half! Incredible. He flew from Russia, south over the Pacific, between South America and Antarctica, and Antarctica, and back up over Africa. On reentry, the spacecraft actually malfunctioned a bit and shook him violently, but he didn't panic. He was trained for this. He was able to eject over Russia as planned. He parachuted down near a farm, and the farmer and her granddaughter saw him land. They were terrified. <laughs> this was the age of radio. These peasants probably didn't know anything about their country's space program. They just saw a bulky orange figure with a big white head who'd just fallen out of the sky. They backed away from him, but Yuri told them, I'm a Soviet citizen just like you. I've just descended from space and I need to call Moscow. <laughs> the celebrations to mark Yuri's return were the biggest since the end of World War II, 16 years before. He went on tour through 30 countries and his story was published in newspapers across the world. This regular guy had become a global superhero. Now, it feels a little funny to be giving a talk about a Russian hero right now with all that's going on, but we must remember that Russia is full of regular people like Yuri, and that Yuri's night isn't about Russia alone. It's about humanity together. The United Nations made it a holiday and named it the International Day of Human Spaceflight. Humans from many places and eras helped each other develop the science and technology that was necessary for this feat. Astronomy from the ancient world, flight from the west, combustible fuel from the east, and yes, one brave Soviet citizen. Today, space programs are still one of the most internationally cooperative industries, whose discoveries aid in medicine, technology, and resisting climate change here on Earth. Going to space and contemplating Earth's cosmic context reminds us that even if our oligarchs fall for the illusion of separateness, we are all of this one Earth together. In fact, among the 600 other people who've been to space since Yuri, a psychological phenomenon called the overview effect has been noted, where astronauts feel a state of awe, transcendence, and oneness with the entire Earth. So Yuri's night is about more than Russia. And technically, it isn't about spring either. It was probably a coincidence that this incredible milestone in human history was reached in April. But atheist, I'll take what I can get, right? I can spin this narrative. Um, the Earth is like an egg, and we've hatched. No, not quite. Uh, Yuri went through the night and back into the day? Yeah. It's like, yeah, technically, but it's kind of boring. Uh, how about this? Throughout human existence, longer even than our history, we've been tracing our stories onto stars. With just distant points of light on an inviting black canvas, we've seen pictures, stories, 
maps, and mysteries. By 500 BCE, Greeks had guessed that we orbit the sun rather than the other way around. But when the Library of Alexandria in Egypt burned, we lost a great treasure of learning. We lost centuries of human endeavor, and it took us ages, literal ages, to catch back up. It wasn't until the 1500s, 2,000 years later, that Copernicus figured it out again, and people in power were furious. Galileo, who followed Copernicus, was convicted of heresy and confined to his home until his death, all for trying to understand the cosmos as it really is. It took another 400 years for us to finally poke our heads outside, for the first human to go out there, for humans to work together well enough for long enough to make it possible. And we did it. Yuri Gagarin risked his life hurtling through inhospitable nothingness and came back uninjured, alive. If you ask me, that is a story that fits alongside the great celebrations I mentioned earlier. That is a story worthy of spring. So we've talked about Yuri's story and what its meanings might be. My question is, why don't many people know about Yuri's Night or the International Day of Human Spaceflight? Why do so few people even know Yuri Gagarin's name? Part of it is definitely the whole Russia versus America thing. And I think that's a real shame because as I mentioned, Russia didn't figure out how to do this all by themselves and neither did we. Celebrating Yuri's Night is an opportunity to celebrate a holiday for all people under the stars. Another reason people don't know about Yuri's Night or the International Day of Human Spaceflight is that some folks have started to think of space exploration as elitist and out of touch because the billionaires have gotten involved. (laughs) I think this is backwards. The Elon Musks and the Jeff Bezoses of the world know that there's something important and valuable out there and they should be the absolute last people in charge of it. (laughs) We can either let them have it, as we're doing now, to use for commercial gain and a rich people's lifeboat off the Titanic, or we can participate. We can demand the decolonization of space exploration so that it becomes ethical, equitable, and accessible for the mutual flourishing of all life, both on and beyond Earth. Another reason many people are apathetic or even antagonistic towards space exploration is that to a lot of folks, possibly even to some of you, all this space stuff seems silly. The stuff of Trekkie geeks. Totally unrealistic science fiction. When I'm I'm out in the world, I'm like, the people who celebrate a bunny who lays eggs are gonna call me unrealistic? (laughs) Okay, sure, all right. But in all seriousness, I think this is because in our day-to-day lives, we have somehow forgot that it is fact, not fiction, that we are part of the cosmos. Every time we bask in the sunshine or gaze at a full moon, there it is. Every particle of our bodies has existed in some combination or other since the Big Bang. Most of that time, we have existed without Earth. Space is our hometown, but we've forgotten our cosmic context. Here's what I mean by cosmic context. Besides the Milky Way, we estimate that there are 100 to 200 billion other galaxies, each with 100 to 400 billion stars. 
There is a lot of out there, out there. But right here, a lot of extremely particular circumstances all coincided. Conditions were just right, and life emerged. Life is something extremely special. A star, any one of those billions of stars, takes shape, burns its fuel, and eventually dies. It can't seek out any more fuel. But life can. Life can intentionally resist entropy. We eat and we make babies. We, and by we I mean all life on Earth, are part of the universe which is trying as hard as it can not to die. That's our cosmic context. Now, don't get me wrong, our first priority is to fix what we've broken here, to stop and reverse climate change today. This is especially vital for the marginalized communities who've contributed least to the problem, but are most affected by it. Yuri Gagarin himself said, quote, orbiting Earth in the spaceship, I saw how beautiful our planet is. People, let us preserve and increase this beauty, not destroy it, end quote. The life that has emerged on this planet is precious. And to me, that's exactly why spaceflight matters. Even if we get out of the hot water we're in now, the Earth is not eternal. If life is the part of the universe that doesn't want to die, we're going to need to move eventually. Like many animals on Earth, humans are pretty smart. We're especially technical. Through the processes of nature, through evolution, collaboration, and ingenuity, we've developed the ability to go to space. I think there's a reason for that. I think we have evolved our role among the species to steward Earth's incredible variety of life to many other places, so it has a better chance of doing what it does best, both here and elsewhere. Amid the raging fires and cold emptiness of space, here we float, brave, curious, alive. Last week, NASA announced the crew of the Artemis II mission, which will take human beings to the moon for the first time in 50 years. They also stated that this is part of a goal to reach Mars as well. On Yuri's night, people all over the world celebrate these wonders of collaboration and evolution. So I invite you to join in on the International Day of Human Spaceflight on April 12th. Go out there, feel the night sky, how it cradles us, waits for us. Become aware of your living, breathing interdependence with all life on Earth and all that is beyond it. You are inextricably part of the great wholeness of the universe, even if you forget, even if you don't care. But I invite you to care. I invite you to participate in the universe's epic cosmic quest to live. In the words of Yuri Gagarin, off we go. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.